Welcome back to the Thermo Diet Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Miller, and today I have on the podcast Mr. Tyler Woodward. So Tyler Woodward has been working for Umzu for over a year now. Um, he is a biology student at the University of Maryland, and he has absolutely been killing it for us um, whenever it comes to writing scientifically backed articles um, and talking about principle and logical based ways to obtain certain health goals. And one of the things that he's done, he's written on recently is weight loss versus fat loss, fat loss myths. Um, weight gain and muscle gain, um, optimal versus efficient muscle gain, um, weightlifting myths, nutrition myths. He's also written a bunch of different articles over blood flow, supplements for blood flow, foods for blood flow, things like that. So he is very knowledgeable and I am super excited for y'all to listen to this one. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Thermodat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Miller, and today I have back on the podcast, Tyler Woodward. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm great, Jaden. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, so for the people who might not know who Tyler Woodward is yet, do you mind kind of giving them a brief overview of who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm currently a student at the University of Maryland studying a degree in physiology and neurobiology. It's just a fancy word for biology major. And I've been working for Umzu the last year since it started last summer, really. I was working a little bit online before that. But I mean, I just really started going down fitness journey, like with Keno Body when I was a sophomore in high school or freshman high school, and just kind of dug deeper and deeper into it. Started getting more into supplements and nutrition, found Umzu, and eventually reached out to Christopher Walker, like, yo, I love what you guys are doing. I really see, I really believe in the company, and I see myself being a part of it, and you know, the rest is history. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of, it's almost mind boggling how close our stories are whenever it comes to how we got involved. It is. I literally said, I was, I, when I described you to anyone, I'm like, dude, it's literally like if I had just not, not went to college and started working there pretty mm-hmm. much. Except yeah. You ski, which is, you know, yeah, I know. And I have a beard, so, you know, oh, yeah. that helps too. <laughs> well, I shave my, you're supposed to shave after November. You obviously didn't follow the rules. Uh, I mean, I cleaned it up for sure, but <laughs> Um, mine wouldn't be looking so nice right now but But, so um something that you've been looking into recently is kind of like going into the new year and trying to figure out you know different kinds of prioritization and body composition goals and stuff like that um you know do you mind kind of going into some of that stuff yeah so I think New Year's resolutions at the end of the day are kind of like a marketing scheme, right? It's they, the gyms and everyone pushing all these sales and nutritional supplements so that you are this year. And it's, I mean, it's a great time to start with a, a new resolution or a goal in, in general, right? It's the start of a new year, may as well start new. But I think it's just as much of a marketing scheme at this point to push people to join the gyms. Everyone knows that January gym surge where everyone's going to the gym. And so my goal in writing this article was to simplify it down to make it more on like principle and logical base and help you guys and help anyone weed through all the complications that we see in the industry and how many myths there are and just allow you, provide you guys with the education to make your own decisions. Whether or not you believe what I say, that's completely up to you. And I hope if I would love for you to respectfully disagree with me as part of the scientific process, right? And that I hope, I hope my principles were logically based and that, you know, it's hard to disagree with. That was my goal. But I mean, if you don't trust what I'm telling you, that's perfectly fine. I have a degree in biology. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> That's about it. Everyone has entitled to their own opinion. Definitely. Um, so whenever it comes to, you know, goals around the new year, especially whenever it comes to physical goals, it's usually 
revolved around body composition of some sort. So people usually want to lose weight or gain muscle. Um, so can you kind of give us the differentiating factors of weight loss versus fat loss and maybe some of the myths that are kind of around those things? Yeah. So the first step in any body recomposition goal is really to decide whether or not you want to lose weight and fat or gain muscle and put gain weight. Um, the two are not synonymous and they're going to go together for the most part a lot of time, especially fat loss and weight loss. But the difference really is in terms of energy, right? It's being in a calorie deficit. So what our metabolism your, is the sum of your chemical reactions at the end of the day. Let's say I burn about 2,500 calories in the day. That is my maintenance calories, right? If I want to lose weight, I need to be consuming less calories than I'm burning on a daily basis so that my body has less energy than it's using. So it needs to pull from, typically it's gonna, you're, it's gonna go from fat stores, fat cells. So that's um, the body's first method to get, pull, to get energy from. Um, muscle gain is a little bit different because if you eat in a calorie surplus, which is obviously more energy than your maintenance, so let's say 2,600 calories for me, you're not necessarily going to gain muscle unless you're producing some sort of stimulus in those muscles, which we get from some form of resistance training. Definitely. Whenever it comes to the difference between weight loss and fat loss specifically, um, you want to make sure that you retain as much possible, as much muscle as possible, correct? Correct. Yeah. So the, in, and that's really it's the same principle is going to apply for both. The current research is showing about 0.82 grams per pound of body weight. Some say lean body weight, which is a little bit less, but I think 0.82 pounds per body weight. So it's I'm 100, 200 pounds, 0.82 is going to be about 165 grams of protein daily. And that will ensure that I'm going to keep as much muscle as possible or, or as probably most of my muscle um, when in deficit. And I think um, weight muscle loss when you're in a calorie deficit or when you're trying to lose weight is probably overhyped and most people wor um, worry about it a little too much. As long as you're getting adequate protein, your body does not want to take it from muscle. It's typically going to go from fat or from carb loss. Would you agree, Jaden? Yeah, I would agree. Um, as long as the calorie deficit is not too big, um, because if you're going extremely aggressive in that calorie deficit, then I do see that there is a high affinity for the protein, the amino acids within the muscles, uh, to go through, what is it like gluconeogenesis? Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I would I just say, so. just make sure it's not too aggressive. Take a, a moderate balanced approach for sure. And that's just going to help in general. I mean, just sticking to it long-term, I mean, weight loss in general and even weight gain are their long-term things. It's not going to happen overnight. And you can definitely take a more aggressive approach sometimes if you want to do it fast. But I mean, obviously it's going to have those consequences where you might lose muscle. You're probably not having any fun because you're in a, you're only eating 1500 calories a day. And if you want to do that, that's on you. But I mean, it's all about balance, right? Between what you want to do in life and what you want to do with your physical goals. Yeah. So if somebody's kind of in the position to where, they could either go down the route of gaining muscle or go down the route of gain, uh, losing fat. Um, which one do you typically steer towards most often? So I'm probably going to say gain muscle. Like if you're like that skinny fat physique and I've definitely been there and I, I hundred percent can tell you, I went for weight loss. I wanted to be ripped. And when I got there, no one cares when you're a hundred, I was probably what 155, 160 pounds, six foot tall. And yeah, I had a six pack, my arms were twigs. Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't really look good. It just looks like you're a skinny kid that has a six pack. Um, yeah, so I would always push towards, um, gaining muscle. If you personally feel like you have a good amount of fat to lose and like, that's where your 
more self-conscious, then definitely go for fat loss. I mean, when you are gaining muscle and you're in that cal caloric surplus, you, you're going to gain some fat. And that's just the reality. You can't gain all muscle. It would be great if you could. This And it's lower. The, the smaller your surplus, the more muscle you gain relative to fat, the longer you extenuate it. But if you're really insecure about the fat, then by all means, go ahead and lose the fat. And you can always gain muscle later. Uh, and, and you're even, um, it's not like either we're going to approach we're going to take the approach while they're going to go for fat loss or weight loss or get, go for muscle gain and weight gain. doesn't mean that we can't gain muscle while losing fat, but it's not our target. We need to have one priority. And like what I said in, in the article, maintenance is great. And it's probably where we want to do for optimal health, being at your maintenance calories consistently and being like pretty much in balance with your body. But it's like the least efficient way to make long-term changes, right? So you can gain muscle and you can lose fat while at maintenance, but it's going to be the slowest and least yeah the slowest way to do so least efficient yeah definitely i completely agree i would also say that if somebody is metabolically compromised like if they have extremely low thyroid function or um you know in general they're just relatively stressed out um try to go with a maintenance phase and just increase your activity on a daily basis a little bit um specifically whenever it comes to walking because I think that allows for the least amount of stress to happen on the body while also allowing you to take steps towards your goal. So um, if you're struggling with something like that, I would definitely recommend not dropping the calories too low. Make sure that you're fueling your body properly, making sure that you're getting all the correct mi micronutrients in that you need, get a good balance of macronutrients in, and then um, just up that activity level on a daily basis with getting more steps and walking and you know, good sunshine and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I've actually heard uh, Coach Eugene Tio. Uh, he's talked about this briefly, and he talked about like one of the best things you can do before trying to lose weight is to make sure you're in that like hormonal balance, but like you don't have any micronutrient deficiencies, right? So that's really the only way you can increase your metabolism without exercising more, like because that's obviously burning more calories. But so if you have a micronutrient deficiency, your metabolism is lacking certain ingredients, and therefore can't get to do those chemical reactions. So you're going to increase your metabolism, increase the number of calories you burn, and that's just going to make fat loss easier. So yeah, maintenance phase can definitely be great too. And honestly, a maintenance phase just, just like really comes down, like I said, it comes down to the calories, right? Your caloric intake, either getting more calories than you're eating or burning or less. And a maintenance phase just to like see where you're at, like see how many calories you're at, just like a practice run where you're not emotionally attached to losing weight is probably a good thing for almost anyone where you just, you don't really care whether or not the scale is saying or what you look like in the mirror, but you're just learning about yourself a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that the times that I've had the most success whenever it comes to nutrition and getting to know my body and kind of like running these different experiments was times where I didn't step on the scale for months at a time. And, you know, I really didn't care what I looked like in the mirror. It wasn't a priority of mine. It wasn't something that really mattered in my day-to-day -day life. So I completely mm -hmm. ignored it. And because of that, my health was able to basically keep up with where I was going, um, which was really nice. I think, there was one point whenever I was eating anywhere from 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day and I didn't wow. gain an ounce of weight, not, not an ounce the entire That's time. Crazy. And I wasn't even getting 10,000 steps a day. I was getting maybe like 5,000 steps a day and working out four times a week. Wow. Yeah. I think my, my story is kind of the opposite. I was always this really skinny kid and I wanted to be ripped and shredded. And then I started pledging. And basically I just started stress eating because the first week I lost like 10 pounds, didn't eat anything. 
And I don't recommend this in any way, but it basically helped me to get over my, my mental like body issues. I was afraid to gain weight because I loved having that six pack, even though, like I said, it didn't really look good. But, and, and I'm just because of this, I've gained so much more muscle because, because like I said, being in a caloric surplus is so pivotal to being efficient muscle growth. But uh, back to the story. So first week, probably lost like 10 pounds. Just didn't eat, was so stressed out, running all over the place on campus. Second week was like, all right, I need to start eating. I would just went to the dining hall every chance I could, just stuffed as much cookies I could in my face, put a bunch of stuff in my face for the rest of the five weeks, ended up 190. Obviously, I was an egotistical freshman. I was like, oh, I'm huge, but I was really just fat and hadn't really been lifting all semester because, you know, I was pledging. And from that point on, though, I was like, all right, I do need to lose this weight. Obviously, I don't really look good. And my, especially goes to my face, which drives me absolutely nuts. But that, that from that point on, I realized the value of a caloric surplus. And like, like, like I said, you can gain muscle and lose fat and maintenance. But when you are supplying your body with that extra energy, and then you're producing the stimulus in the gym, you're going, it, it, it has the extra energy to allocate towards muscle growth. And that is so pivotal if you want to gain muscle efficiently. If you don't care, then by all means, there's no reason to rush it. There's no reason to be in a surplus, honestly. But but if you want to gain muscle fast and efficiently, this is the way to do it is being a surplus, especially, and especially after you're a beginner, it's pretty much impossible to gain muscle. Yeah, I completely agree. I also think that in my opinion, if you're going for performance and you're looking for the best possible results, whenever it comes to lifting weights and being to being able to adequately perform, get a lot of those extra calories from carbohydrates. It's going to make a huge difference. Um, carbohydrates are also protein sparing, so you can get away with a little less protein if you want to, um, because it frees up those amino acids to get to the muscle. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And also the, we got, when you think about one of the main mechanisms for muscle growth is sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is like cellular cell swelling, which is really just more glucose and then more water being added to your cell. So you're just directly in glycogen as well. You're really just supplying your body with more fuel. Heck yeah, definitely. And carbs just make you feel great. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the myths that you've heard like surrounding fat loss specifically? Like for me, it's always, you know, this supplement's going to make you burn this, this many pounds of fat off of your body, or, you know, you can just eat this one simple food and your mouth, all the fat's just going to melt off your body. What are some of the things that you've heard? I mean, those are definitely all true. For sure. <laughs> no, I mean, so my favorite thing is J James Smith and talks about this all the time. Um, and he doesn't say this specifically, but exercise, and I say this in the article, exercise and weight loss are correlated, not causated. No matter how much you exercise, if you are not in a caloric deficit, you will not lose weight. There's no fat burning exercises. There's no ways to really target fat loss to a specific area of the body. Of the body. And people, like I said, people that exercise are more likely to lose weight and they're more likely to be healthier. But that's also, that's a mental thing too, right? Like they're more likely to make conscious decisions that are general, like better for their health in general. But you do not need to exercise to lose weight. And there's no fat burning exercises that are special. And the same thing with fat burning shakes, fat burning supplements, and even the keto diet, right? And we talk about this a lot in the thermo diet program. There's two main metabolisms. There's the glucose metabolism, which we say is our optimal, or I'd say like primary metabolism. And then the fatty acid metabolism, which is like the backup metabolism. And so these supplements, they can work in a sense. And let's say they do work to burn more fat. They, tar they change your body to, to use more of the lipid metabolism. But the problem with this is that if you are not in a caloric deficit and then use all these fat burning supplements, or let's say the keto diet or whatever you want, want to say, and you are not in a caloric deficit, you're just gonna replace the fat that you just burned 
with the fat that you just ate. And as we know, the, the lipid metabolism, the fatty acid metabolism also has a number of, let's say, suboptimal side effects that um, are going to like contribute down the line to more stress and all that stuff. So in general, I'm going to favor glucose metabolism just because it's more efficient, you get more energy from it, less harmful to the body. But, and, and I mean, we need the fatty acid metabolism though as well. Like at the end, like when you're in that caloric deficit, if you didn't have that fatty acid metabolism, you would never learn fat. Absolutely. So yeah, for sure. I completely agree. Um, I would also say that, you know, if you are freeing up or mobilizing fatty acids in your body while you're also in a calorie surplus, that is one of the most, I would say it's one of the best ways to create insulin resistance. If that's something that can happen via the Randall cycle, because there's going to be more free fatty acids in the blood to compete with the glucose to get into the cell. Um, so that's something that just use glucose. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I, all there that is makes to sense. It. Yeah. I, that's really interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, I am not, honestly, I, I needed to do some more research on like insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, but I mean, a lot of it has to do with how your body processes carbs and sugars. Right. And, and, obviously fats, like the more fats that are in the bloodstream, it's going to be competing with the insulin and carbs for that place. Yeah, definitely. Um, so whenever it comes to gaining muscle specifically, what, um, what do you see that is optimal? And then what do you see as efficient? Okay. So, and this comes to health and in general too, there, there are terms that like when we're chasing optimal, Optimal, right? We want something that's basically perfect and efficient in general and muscle building is going to be more optimal in general. So the way muscles work, how they contract, basically when let's say the bicep is a really good example, you're getting one joint is getting closer to the other. As the two joints get closer to the, together, it becomes shorter, the muscle. And that is when your muscle is the weakest in that fully shortened position. This is like when, whenever you flex a muscle, you're putting it in pretty much fully shortened position. Um, and then in the mid range, when you're up on your biceps, like nine degrees, you're going to be the strongest and you're going to be a little bit weaker in the length and range when you're stretching the arm and, but not nearly as much in the shortened range. And the more we can align, uh, an exercise profile, so like where the exercise is difficult with how our arm or how our muscle works, the better, the more efficient that exercise will be. So we can produce a lot more stimulus by like, forming exercises that align with that. And one example I like to give is the dumbbell lateral raise, right? The dumbbell lateral raise is a very inefficient exercise for hypertrophy by itself because it taxes only the top portion of the movement, the shortened position, right? And at the top of the mo movement of the dumbbell lateral raise, it is the hardest because your arm is now farthest apart from your body. So you're now doubling down, you're taxing the weakest portion of the muscle and it's the, with the hardest portion of the exercise. But I, I like to bring out, so the, here's a very, uh, common question, partial range of motion versus full range of motion. So this inefficient exercise, which I just took the dumbbell ladder raise, let's say I divide it into thirds and I have the top third, the middle third and bottom third. If I take the lightest dumbbell I'm going to do, let's say the normal 10 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever you do for a ladder raise. And I stick to that top third. And then when I can't do any more reps, I grab the twenties and I go to the middle third, which is now I'm going to be a little bit stronger and there's a little bit less torque because your arms are a little bit closer. So I'm going to be able to do more reps. Then I go to the bottom third, grab the 20 to the 30s, even though I'm not moving, I only move my arm probably a couple inches. I've now tripled the amount of stimulus that I've placed in the muscle. So that's going, it, I still don't think the dumbbell raise, even if you do that, it's going, it's the best option. But 
but it's going to be way better than just doing the 15 pounds because you're not taxing half of the range of motion, right? And if we want to grow muscle, we want to tax as much of the range of motion as possible. Yeah. One of the things that I like to think about whenever it comes to that is um, the stimulus to fatigue ratio that Mike Isertel talks about. Um, you know, what can you get the most stimulus out of with the least amount of fatigue so you can come back to the gym quicker and more often? Um, so you can create that muscle protein synthesis, you know, trigger that muscle protein synthesis as often as possible. Um, so something like the deadlift is going to be very, very fatiguing, but it's not going to create mm. much targeted stimulus to a certain muscle. Whereas, you know, if you do a bicep curl or um, leg raises for the abs or something like that, it's not going to be that fatiguing, but it's going to be high in the stimulus that it creates for that muscle. Yeah. And that's just like a very good point to answer. Like you've heard, you probably heard the saying like muscles are slave to positions and that's true in an aspect, but I would really say like muscles are slaves, like biomechanics, right? Like the muscle that is most in the best position to contract or to operate is going to. So like if I do a bicep curl all the way up top in the short position and I just hold it here, I take a dumbbell. Sure. If I take a cable, that's great. And it'll work. But if I'm do have a dumbbell right here, I'm really just doing a shoulder isometric, right? Even though my bicep's the one moving. So, I mean, that's like an interesting point. And like the same thing I talk about a little bit is the compound or uh, isolation exercises or free weights, machines or calisthenics. And like I said, is it really going to come down to your intent? Like none of them are inherently better than the other. Um, like in a compound lift, like as you said, is very fatiguing. And I think that's a lot of compound lifts are more fatiguing because like the balance aspect, there's so much stabilization required. But if your limiting factor, let's say on the bench press is your like, I don't know, your triceps or your rear delts for some reason, your lats, which really aren't that active. That's another point. Then you're not going to be able to maximize the stimulus placed on your chest. And that's because it's not the one failing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I would say that you should just you just have to prioritize what your goal is. You know, if your goal is strength, then these high stimulus exercises are going to be completely fine because that's what you need to train in order to get strong. Yeah. But if you're looking for optimal for hypertrophy specifically, whenever you're looking to gain muscle, then I would definitely say that, you know, find the highest amount of stimulus for the least amount of fatigue that you can. 100%. And I mean, that's also going to be a thing. Like I, I would consider most, strength trainers are strength athletes, right? Like powerlifters don't necessarily want to be strong. They want to be strong within squat, bench, and deadlift. Like that is their goal. They don't necessarily, like, doesn't matter how much they can bicep curl or, I don't know, like leg raise or calf raise. doesn't really matter. And it's going to be very different if your goal is to chase a position, to be optimal in that position. And I gave the example in the article, when have you ever seen an athlete do a quarter squat in a game? Like, I mean, sorry, do an ass to grass squat. No, no athlete is getting the athletic position and put it going ass to grass, right? It, so I don't think the, um, the quarter squat is a good move for muscle growth or really strength, but it might be a great move for becoming more efficient in that position, right? Just practicing that and getting that neurological response. And let's say you might be able to squat 315. He might be able to quarter squat uh, 500 pounds. And if he doesn't practice that, he might never realize his full capacity. Yeah. Definitely. So it really comes down to intent all the time. And it's like, like I said, it's really not black. It's hard. We like to paint it as black and white, 
it's really it's pretty complicated sometimes. It is definitely. Um, so what are some common like nutrition myths that you usually see people fall over during the new year? My favorite has got to be that all calories are not created equal. And I saw this post, so someone posted on Instagram that said calories don't even enter cellular respiration, which is the process which glucose gets broken down, like your glucose metabolism, which is true, they don't enter. But glucose has a certain number of calories. ATP, which is the end product, have a certain number of calories. And saying like all calories are not created equal is like saying a mile, like if you and I both run a mile, if yours is all uphill and mine's all downhill, we still ran a mile, correct? It's a unit of measurement. So when you're talking about the composition of those calories, that's a very different story. But when I tell you that uh, this cheeseburger has a thousand calories and this bag of kale is a thousand calories, the amount of energy, basically, we're, we're not, I'm not going to get into the thermogenic effect of food, but it's a little complicated, basically is the exact same amount of energy used for your body. Um, and like I said, like when it comes down to calorie deficit, if you want to sit in your couch and eat Cheetos all day, as long as you are burning more energy than you are consuming you will lose weight. Will you feel good? Absolutely not. But, but it's, it's a numbers game. Um, that's a big one. And I think, I mean, the whole idea, like, and I, I was yelling at my mom last night for it. She's like, like, Oh, well, those athletes, they're not eat, drinking or eating fatty foods. So I was like, mom, fat, it just has a number of calories. Like you need some, a portion of fat, like fats don't make you fat or don't make you fat. Protein doesn't make you fat. Alcohol doesn't make you fat. It just any of those in excess will put you in a caloric surplus, which can lead to fat gain. Um, just the numbers game, I think it, people just don't emphasize enough. Yeah, um, I also think that people just want to be told what to do. They don't want to have to keep up with something. So whenever mm -hmm. it comes down to putting in the work to track your calories, you know, actually look at what you're eating and stuff like that, a lot of people are very hesitant about it because it requires effort and it requires work. Um, and then, I mean, that's really what all of this comes down to is like, there are no shortcuts, um, no matter. Yeah. I mean, if there was one, we would have found it by now and we would be telling it to y'all right now. Cause I yeah. mean, there's no reason to keep it to yourself. Number one. And then number two, it's like, I mean, it just doesn't exist. Like there, there's yeah. not any shortcuts. You, work and effort are going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, and that's why I love writing these like principle-based articles that allows you and the reader to debate for themselves of what they believe in. And like when they see a post, they can make those educated decisions thereafter. I mean, if those fat burner supplements worked, well, A, we would be selling a lot of them. And B, everyone would be skinny and ripped, right? And like the same thing with like those weight gainer protein shakes. Like as long that you need to get consume a certain amount of protein every day, if you get that from a protein shake or you get that from a steak, that's it's all just a numbers game at the end of the day and like the same thing goes for micronutrients which we don't want really to talk about as much in the article but i mean it's so important and that's why like the chicken and broccoli diet although it might help you lose weight because it's really easy to lose weight when you're only eating chicken and broccoli and then and you uh but you're not going to be getting a lot of micronutrients because you're not eating a very diverse array of food and so that can eventually contribute to micronutrient deficiencies Absolutely. Plus like all the fiber and the broccoli and the goitrogenic properties, you'll just be walking around probably constipated, farting a lot. And, you know, you're not helping your thyroid out either with those goitrogens. Yeah. And I was thinking about this last night. Like, I, I mean, it, isn't it kind of ridiculous that we tell everyone says like, Oh, you got to eat some more fiber, which is really just, you know, most time it's just from plants. So in the cellulose that we can't break down, but like 
they said, oh, yeah, you got to eat some more fiber poop. So you're just literally eating stuff that just pretty much, I mean, cellulose can't get broke down. Correct me if I'm wrong, because um, we don't have that enzyme. So it just goes in one end and literally comes out the other end for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of ridiculous to think about. Um, but it's all about perspective. Yeah. Plus, like, if you're constipated, adding fiber to your diet is going to add bulk to the stool. So you're just bulking up the waste even more inside of your digestive tracts you're just worsening the issue in most cases um so that is not good and then like whenever you have too much fiber things like shbg and aromatase tend to go through the roof um, which is going to be antagonistic to protective hormones in most cases yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense Um, again it really just comes down to being in balance right having the I would say the yin and yang of your body, the homeostasis is just like, if you feed your body exactly what it wants at the right times, then it's going to operate as efficiently as possible. And I mean, realistically, anytime, whether or not you're in balance with the body, your body's going to try to operate as efficiently as possible. Sometimes you just don't supply the correct ingredients. Yeah, exactly. I would say that that would definitely be something to differentiate is like what your body, what your body wants and what your mind is telling you that you want. Um, yeah. That also requires a little bit of self-awareness to know the difference there too. Which brings us to a great point, uh, cheat meals and cheat days. Um, these things kind of drive me absolutely nuts because the whole idea, the whole premise that you can just basically delete a day, you can stuff whatever you want in your face and the calories don't matter. I mean, it's, it's just not true. If you, you can easily eat in a cheat day enough calories to completely pull you out of a calorie deficit for the week or for the month and that kind of ruins, I mean, it fully ruins the point, right? I mean, why would you suffer through this calorie deficit? Because realistically, it's not fun. I mean, you can make it as uh, easy as possible if you really point it out. But I mean, being food is awesome. I'd love to eat more and weight loss stinks. And if you just went and eat 3,000 calories in that, or let's say 5,000 calories in that one cheat day, you just ruined all that progress. So instead, do a planned refeed or a diet break. Put the, the things you want, the treats, the alcohol, whatever, plant it into your diet and count for it in those calories. You can eat whatever you want when you're dieting. Obviously, you probably don't want to eat chocolate cake every day because it's going to be really hard to maintain a calorie deficit. But if you love chocolate cake more than anything and that mentally gives you that satisfaction, then by all means, program it in. Program in that ice cream, whatever it be. Maybe you have a smaller portion. Maybe you don't. It's really up to you. But that's why, especially refeeds, and you were talking about that a little bit, is can be great for your metabolism as well by getting those nutrients back in the system. Absolutely. Yeah. I 100% believe that whenever you implement refeeds into your dieting, that is, it is going to allow you to have more metabolic resiliency. So you're not going to take as much of a toll on your metabolism during that time, whenever you do incorporate those refeeds. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, and even the fact that like, even if you want to have a, like basically a cheat day, just I'm really just recognize like the damage you're doing. It's not, it's not free. Yeah. Or just like say, you know what, I have been dieting for the last two months. I need to let loose a little bit at right at the bar. And that's perfectly fine. But just recognize that it's not, it has a cost like everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, losing weight freaking sucks. Being in a calorie deficit sucks so much. I, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. For me personally, in my subjective experience, losing weight absolutely is the worst thing on earth. But if it's something that you're doing and it's something that you need to do for your health or for your own you know, perspective of yourself, um, or if it's just a challenge that you want to overcome, um, 
you know, do it in a way that is going to be most friendly to you and avoid all of the BS that is out there. I mean, there's just so much yeah. bad information that's out there that you have to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it really becomes hard. I mean, especially on a social thing, like I make sure one of the big things I do when I'm trying to lose weight in a calorie deficit is I do not drink. I would say like, what's the word like alcohol for pleasure. Like if I'm going out, we're all drinking, that's when I'll do it. But I won't just have a beer on a Tuesday, Monday night, because to me, it's a waste of calories. Well, if I was in a surplus, I think alcohol can kind of be your best friend because it's just free, cheap calories. I don't really do like sodas or anything like that. I don't really drink a lot of like uh, high calorie drinks, but I mean, and having a beer at night or well, not a thermo, but having a cider at night, it can be now. Huh? Oh, cider's thermo. Oh, cider. cider's thermo, but yeah, you got to watch out for that beer. None, none of that. Watch out for the beer. That's not going to help calorie deficit, but, or your health. But I mean, like, I just, that's personally like my rule. And I personally love chocolate and ice cream. So I pretty much have a cookie almost every night, whether or not I'm a calorie deficit or calorie surplus or some kind of ice cream. I actually perfected a thermo frappuccino recipe last night. I'll keep an eye out for that in the Facebook group. Heck yeah. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that. I have Haagen-Dazs pretty much every single day though um, at this point, but I'm also not trying to lose weight. So if you're going for a calorie deficit, that's definitely not what you want to do. Um, yeah, I would say... Whenever I, some of the tips that I, that I've kind of used for fat loss um, in the past is, you know, utilize the food that has the highest amount of volume for the least amount of calories. So, you know, for the amount of volume that you're going to get, try and get as little calories as you can. For instance, like um, watermelon is a really good example. Like that is very yeah. voluminous, but it's relatively low in calories. Um, so just I think like that, that might be the only reason I've been able to lose weight in summer. I just pound watermelon. Love, mm -hmm. love bowl of watermelon. You get a huge bowl of watermelon. It's like 300 calories and it's just, it just goes right up. Yeah, absolutely. Or um, let's see, what's another one that I've done? Coffee helps a lot. Coffee actually really helps blunt hunger. Um, let's see. What are some berries are another good one. Um, shrimp is another good one. What are some of the things that you've utilized? I mean, definitely watermelon. I like, I've been really getting into potatoes, not that they're the least calorically dense, but they're, I feel like they're very filling, especially you just have like a little bit on the side with your dinner. I find ice cream just, you know, it's not filling probably. I find it very mentally satisfying, especially like, like, and honestly, and we talked about this a little bit in the article, like intermittent fasting, although you should be in a good health place metabolically to do it. I think proportioning your calories towards a later portion of the day, even if it's just four hours, and then you break it with a coffee or a smoothie or whatever has helped me a lot um, and just made weight loss easier because you can, you have the option to eat a huge meal and eat some ice cream at night, which you might not otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about tips to gain weight? What are some of the most effective ways that from a nutritional standpoint that you've seen to gain muscle specifically? Probably the same thing. I mean, you obviously want to make sure you, get enough protein that's going to be like 0.82 but if you want you can go a little bit higher if you're really trying to gain weight plus you have the extra and surplus alcohol can be a fr friendly it also might have some impact on muscle protein synthesis so you have to be careful with that especially if you're going to drink alcohol try try and lift as early as possible in the morning um i mean but i mean again it really comes down to just eating calories i probably would i would definitely not fast i'm trying to be a surplus i probably start my meal off with uh with like eggs and micro calorie dense meal 
definitely have lunch, maybe try to have a snack or two throughout the day and a big dinner and dessert for sure. Definitely get your sweet tooth on. Mm. Ice cream, cookies if you want. What else do you like? Uh, the ice cream is the biggest thing for me. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have like too much of a sweet tooth outside of ice cream. Um, I do enjoy cookies, but I usually stay away from them because of the gluten and the polyunsaturated fatty acids, and they're usually not that good in general. So, um, yeah, I'm still on That's the, good. I'm still on the lookout for easily accessible thermo cookies. So if anyone uh, has found those, please let me know. Please let us know. <laughs> that will be a game changer. Yeah. For the world. Hopefully this uh, frappuccino will be a slight game changer for some of us, but having more thermo foods and I think we'll see that a lot in the next coming years. I mean, I don't see why I keep joking about, I'm going to make a thermo bagel and pizza place and it's just going to be like healthy bagels and pizza and I'm just going to be a billionaire. <laughs> if I can, yeah. if I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Sourdough. That's the way to go. Sourdough. Exactly. Bagels. I mean, it's definitely possible. And I mean, right now, is it plausible? Maybe. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, the next coming years, as Thermodog gets more and more popular, we'll see some chefs chef up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, what are some tips that you have for people to actually set these goals? Like, they have this, all this information that we just laid out for them. Um, do you have some examples of goals that they could be setting and ways to actually um, set those goals? Yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little bit in the article. and. I honestly kind of think numerical based score goals are overrated and especially for weight loss and fat loss, because let's say I want to lose 10 pounds. How do I know when I'm going to look like 10 pounds? Is that enough? Is that too much? Same thing with muscle gain. And those are perfectly fine goals to set. If you say, and if you don't, if you've never been goal setting, numerical based goals are by far the easiest to do, right? So you can just look at your scale and say, check it off the list. And that's great. But instead, what I would really tell you to focus on is that maybe like I say this in the article, as cliche as it is, life is about the journey, not the destination. Maybe it's time to stop focusing on the end game instead focusing on the steps that will bring us there. Like maybe it's time to focus on the day-to-day -day actions. And like I said, you're gonna lose sometimes. Some days you're gonna eat in a caloric surplus no matter how much how much your day sucks. And you know those days that you're eating a caloric surplus when you're trying to gain gain weight or lose weight will probably be the worst days for you. And it, it's mentally taxing. But it happens and it's a long journey, it's a war for you. As long as you're winning more days than you're not, you're going to lose weight over time. And it's about chasing those little steps that add up to those big end, end results. It's about like, and I like to say this, and I've really been focusing on this in the gym. It's not about like the big picture and yeah, it is, but it's the sum of those little movements that end up in the big picture. It's about focusing on that one rep within that one set each single time that you're doing it. And those little accumulations of those small things are going to add up to those big pictures. I read an awesome book. Um, it was by Joshua Watkins. I forget what the book is called. Oh, The Art of Learning. And he talks about the difference between me and you and LeBron James. And obviously, LeBron James is probably the best basketball player of all time, or MJ. I'm not going to get into that right now. But, but he, like, I can shoot a basketball. I can't dunk. One day I'm going to be able to count on that. But, um, I can dribble. I can do all this. The difference – and. I probably have like close, let's say I have like 75% of the form that he does, which is like, but it's those little things that he doesn't have to think about because he is, his form is perfect. You know, pretty much everything that he's done because he has perfected those little things to a T, right? And now he doesn't have to think about those. He can look all around him and get so absorb so much more information at such a faster rate 
that he's able to he's seeing the game at a different level than we all are. It's like he's watching it in slow motion. And it's the same thing. It's those little things that add up to big changes in the long run. Absolutely, for sure. I completely agree. Um, I would also say, you know, I think one of the thing that things that holds people back from getting to a lot of the goals that they set for themselves is worrying about external factors, whether it is other people or the circumstances that you're in. It's like you really only have control over yourself, how you react and the things that you do. And so take ownership of those, take responsibility for those, and then move forward in a way that is productive to yourself. Don't worry about anybody else or, you know, what might happen tomorrow. Worry about right now and, you know, do the thing that is going to allow you to be most progressive and successful right now. 100%. And I think hypertrophy coach Joe Bennett talks about this a little bit. And he says like, if you're a single father and you have two infants at home that aren't sleeping through the night, your priority probably should not be muscle growth realistically or fat loss, right? Like you have two kids and you need to take care of them. That doesn't mean you let your goals slip under the table or you push them away, but it means you're, like you do as much as you can right now to accomplish those. And if that's only going to the gym twice a week or once a week, at least you're doing that and you're putting in the effort what you can allocate at this time. And I mean, it's all going to be, like I said, it's all about intent. It's all about perspective. It's all about context. Um, how, how we fare in a different situation is how we make it, how we make life. And that is life, right? Just making the best of your situation. Definitely. 100%. Well, Tyler, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Where can people find you, connect with you, talk to you? Yeah. You can find me on the Thermodide Facebook groups or on Instagram at Ty Woodward underscore underscore wood as in W O D W A R D. And uh, that's about it. Thanks for having me, Jaden. Heck yeah. For those of you listening, make sure to hit him up. Um, he's in there all the time. So even if it's one o'clock in the morning, feel free to send him a message. I'm sure he'll <laughs> message you back. Um, but yeah, uh, we touched on a lot of topics during this episode. I hope you find it helpful and we'll talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and leave a comment down below if you want us to cover a different topic.